Well, <laughs> don't clap for that. It only encourages those guys back there, you know? Um, they like to set me up and see how I'm going to handle it. And, and you know, I, I, I got nothing for you after that, I tell you. Um, um, we, we are in this, this, this second week of the series, Peace in the Midst of Chaos. Last week we talked about the finding peace in the midst of uh, uncertainty. Today it's finding peace in the, in, in, in the midst of, sto- of the storms of life. Um, and uh, we're, we're using Joseph, as Clay mentioned, we're using Joseph as sort of our, our guy that we're going to in terms of, and, and I'll tell you why, he, last week he, he, there wasn't a lot of peace because the way we left it last week was um, if you weren't here, Joseph, we introduced Joseph and, and his, his amazing coat of many colors, his, uh, what's it called, dream coat, I think, the, the play they made out of it. Uh, and we introduced that, and, and his, he had some brothers that didn't like it, and he, he, he might have been a bit of a show-off. I'm not sure, but he could have been. And uh, anyway, they beat him up, they, they tore up his coat, and they, uh, they started to kill him, but one of his brothers said, oh, we don't want to kill him, he's our own flesh and blood, let's sell him into slavery. Oh, yeah, yeah, they sold him into slavery. What the heck? Um, they sold him into slavery. They did. And that's how we left the story. There's not a lot of peace there. Um, we believe Joseph, because we learn later of the great faith that he has. We'll learn that today, actually. Uh, we believe he had some peace, but everybody else, they, they thought they had taken care of it. Jacob, his father, was like, I mean, he, he would sink in, he apparently sunk into what we might call clinical depression today and said he would never smile again. Uh, because his, he, he believed his son was Joseph was was killed, didn't know he sold into slavery. So anyway, today, chapter two, if you will, of uh, Joseph's life, and, and literally we are talking about peace in the, in the midst of uh, the storms of life. Joseph had more than this particular one. He had a lot of storms, but this is a good one to, to just. We're going to do that. Look at that from storms of life. Next week we'll be talking about disappointment, but um. This is storms of life that, that he d- deals with. And I'll tell you what, keep in mind, he is 17 years old, rejected by his brothers, not his father. His dad said he was his favorite, which is never a good thing, right? And uh, that's why the brothers were jealous of him. Sold into slavery, 17 years old, going into a, into a land he, he'd probably never been, Egypt. And um, we're going to jump into that. And it's in chapter 39 of, of Genesis. Before I do that, let me just tell you this. I'm going to tell you this two or three times today, all right? You know, if you're like me, I need that two or three times to, to, to really get it. Through the storms of life, God brings strength and peace to, one, to the one whose heart is committed to him. I want you to keep that just in the forefront of your brain. Through the storms of life, God brings strength and peace to the one whose heart is committed to him. And, and I'm going to give you, before we start with Genesis, my, one, of my, one of my life verses. I have a couple life verses that I just go to verses for me. I mean, um, I have this particular one abbreviated, but printed out on a, on a piece of silver like that somebody did for me. For my, it's my ball marker. When I'm playing golf, I lay it down, I look at that verse, and it reminds me of it all the time. And sometimes when you're playing golf, I need that. But um, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Second Chronicles. What a great verse. I love that. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It's a great verse I think about if I've done something I shouldn't do. God's still looking out for those people who have hearts for him. It's a great verse of something I've done that I should do, that it's still about the heart, not just your action. 
I love that verse. It sounds, you know, God's looking for a few good hearts among men and women. So keeping that as our, as our precursor, let's jump into Genesis chapter 39. See the second chapter here of Joseph's life, looking for some peace in the midst of uh, the storms of life. Chapter 39 of Genesis, verse 1, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. You're going to hear that about four more times from, the, from this text. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Just let me read that again and just think with me. Just The Lord was with Joseph so he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Do you find that sort of oxymoronish? If I can say that's not a word, I realize. Um, God prospered him, but he's still a slave. I mean, how can God, you know, and here's the issue. We talk about God's blessing. We talk about God prospering us. Do I believe that the people who are people of faith, do I believe God prospers us? Yes, I really do. But you know what? That, that may not have one red dime in it. That may not mean the great house, the great car, the great life, whatever that. He's a slave, and God prospered him because God's prosperity is so much deeper than stuff and circumstances. It's internal, not external. That's an, and you're going to hear me say, you're going to hear me allude to that a bunch today because what has happened, particularly in Western Christianity, Western civilization Christianity, particularly in America, I'll say it, is we've taken this prosperity word and this blessing word and we've, we've, we, put a, we put some dollar signs on that or some material stuff on that. And people say, God's going to prosper you if you trust him. Is that true? That's true. But that doesn't mean necessarily wealth or health. God prospers some of the poorest, sick people on the face of the earth. They're still prospered by God. So, I, yeah, I just, it's so important, and we just got to keep hitting that. Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered him as he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, um, as opposed to the slave quarters, basically. When his master saw the Lord was with him, there it is again, the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Amazing. Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. Um, that's like, think if you're a Downton Abbey fan like I am, uh, think uh, his valet, okay? Then, and I, I, I'm convinced that the British say valet instead of the, the proper pronunciation. It's probably tick off the, the, the British do it probably just to tick off the French, I think. Uh, they don't want to say valet. Anyway, he, he's, he's in charge of everything, all right? And so um, I found favor in his eyes. He put him, trusted his care with everything that he owned, Verse 5, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord, watch this now, this is really weird. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Do you believe that? Do you know what Egyptians believed? They didn't believe in the Lord God, Jehovah the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't believe in the God of the Old Testament or the New Testament. They believed in a God of the dirt, a God of the sun, a God of the moon, a God of, the, of this, a God of... They had so many gods, you couldn't keep up with all of them, you know? You say, if you're Egyptian, you go around and say, do you believe in God? You say, well, which one? So, I mean, it, it, my point is this. 
God is blessing Potiphar, who's not in any stretch of the imagination an Old Testament believer in, in God. He's blessing him because of one reason, because he's blessing Joseph. Think about that. You have a home maybe where you're the only one that's a follower of Christ. God blesses that home because of you. You have a work and you work and you work and, you, and where you work is just the most heathen place in the face of the earth. I hear that all the time. God blesses that place because of you. Uh, that, that's what the Bible's teaching. Your community, God blesses that place because of you. I've had people even tell me around here, uh, Summit is blessed because of, of the presence of Renaissance Church. All I can do is say thank you, and it's not about us. It's about who we represent, Christ. That's an important issue. When we do things God's way, those around us are blessed, and that's so important. Well, verse 6, Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with any, anything except the food that he ate. Now, Joseph, he was well-built and handsome, and he had a six-pack. And <clears throat> now I'm just kind of, I'm kind of obsessed with it. I'm still looking for mine. I haven't found it. I keep asking my trainer. She's here. I keep saying, is there a six-pack in there? Oh, there's a six-pack in there. I said, you're lying to me. You're lying to me. Anyway, um, um, he, he was well-built and handsome. And after, after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I then do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Was he sinning against her husband? Yeah. He was sinning against a lot of people, but more importantly, in every sin, what do you say? Every sin is against God. Even those private sins that you think nobody knows about. Maybe, maybe, maybe no one does know about them except just you. Maybe it's one of those things you're, you know, you're looking at unwholesome stuff on your computer, possibly. Or maybe it's something that you just, you got buried in your brain and, 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 and nobody knows. God knows, okay? God knows. And, 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 and this is the issue here. Every sin is against God, and that's what we have to recognize. There are no innocent sins. Well, though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. You know, here's the thing. I don't, I mean, obviously she was wanting something here that's wrong, was he tempted by her? We don't, that doesn't really tell us. Uh, if Rembrandt is correct in his rendering of this picture and his paintings, I don't know of any man that would be tempted by her. But that's a different story. All right, that's just, <laughs> that's just me and my <laughs> lack of appreciation of Rembrandt's representation of Potiphar's wife. But anyway, um, I don't know what was going on with Joseph except he was having the amount of integrity that he needed that, 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 that was who he was. What would have happened if he had given in? I don't know what would have happened. He'd give, I don't think he would have had the blessing of God. I, don't think he, I know he wouldn't have had a clear conscience. Doing the right thing doesn't exactly get him, get him ahead either, by the way. We're going to see that. His integrity was intentional. It was active. Don't miss that. He did the, he did the right thing. He did the right thing. Watch what happens. 
when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hands and had run out of the house, she called her household servants, look, she said to him, the Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came here in to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until her master came home. Then she told him this story. The Hebrew slave you brought us came to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. And his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Some say he didn't believe, he didn't believe her. I think he did because he's, he burned with anger. He was, he was very upset. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He did the right thing, and he got shafted anyway. Oh, and by the way, it would be many more years in prison. Oh, and by the way, they didn't have prisoners' rights. <laughs> um, he did the right thing. I just can't get over that. He did the right thing, and he got, he got shafted big time. Doing the right thing means you do the right thing. It doesn't mean it's always going to come out in your favor, and that's an important truth. I, again, I don't think we, 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 we think about that enough. So remember, throughout the storms of life, God brings strength and peace to those, to the one whose heart is focused on him. He brings peace and strength to the one who's focused on him. Now, watch what happens. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. There he is again. The Lord's still with him, not leaving him. Pretty cool. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all, the, all, the, all of those held in prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord, here it is again, was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Ah, he gave him success in whatever he did. Do I need to remind you? He's still in prison. <laughs> and he's got success. He's got prosperity. But he's still in prison. And he will be for a whole lot longer. That's pretty important stuff, folks. You're going to hear a different story in a moment, but throughout the storms of life, God brings strength and peace to the one whose heart is committed to him. I've got to read this verse again. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He strengthens us. He gives us peace. He blesses us. He may not change the circumstances. Now, I want, to, I want to introduce to you a living, breathing, real person illustration. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm going to let you hear the story yourself. It's my friend, Mark Brubaker. He's going to come up here. And um, Mark and Michelle, part of uh, Renaissance Church for, gosh, how many years? Two years. Two years. Seems longer. <laughs> Just kidding. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> picked up on Let's that. Let's move past that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mark's youngest child is here in part because of me. That requires an explanation. Um, <laughs> they had reached the bottom of the barrel. You know, you know I, some of you women, I don't understand. You plan when to have your babies, and then you just you mess, you screw up the plans. I don't understand why you can't just do it according to the plan. They give you a date, do it on that date, okay? Anyway, I'm joking. Um, 
they had the date, and we, had, we, we knew Mark and Michelle. They lived not too far from us in Short Hills. And we said, Charlene said, hey, if you, ever, if you need us to come over, I'll be happy to come over. So they went through their whole list, and it was, it, she, she, you know, Sarah came unexpectedly, and they went through their whole list, and they got down to the bottom of the barrel. Really, Charlene's not the bottom of the barrel. What happens is when they got to the bottom of the barrel, Charlene, they called Charlene. They'd been through a whole bunch of people. They called Charlene, and Charlene, my wife, was babysitting that night for our grandkids. And I said, I'll go. And to this day, Lydia and Abigail will tell you, I'm the best babysitter they ever had. Yes, they will. Yeah. Even when Mark called me at midnight and said, you've got to make him go to bed. I said, what's the big deal? <laughs> we have to live with it the next day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Um, oh, by the way, Mark is not here. I want to make this very clear from the very beginning. Mark is not here to confess to some Potiphar's wife kind of scandal. I want to make that clear also. Yes, not near a sensational. No, no. But, in, in the words that I put down here, it, it's sort of a Potiphar's wife kind of story. Let's back up. You've been a Christian for a long time. Raised in PA, came to Christ at an early age, raised yep. in a Christian home. Yeah. And uh, kind of pick it up there. Um, so, uh, we, do this every, we do this differently every time. If you're wondering why it's not rehearsed, it was, but we, we just blow that all to pieces, so just so you know. It's much funner doing it this it's way. It's much more fun. <laughs> um, yeah, in ni- late 95, 96, um, I applied for some jobs in New York City, um, not really knowing what I was applying to, um, and I got a job in the, uh, with a fairly large uh, financial institution, um, moved here, um, entry-level software development role, and uh, walked in the door, looked around, and said, wow, this is a little different than what I'm used to. Um, looked at the people that were succeeding um, in life and um, became very enticed by the whole um, career ladder and um, progression and what that offered you. Not just the money, but also the influence, the power, the recognition, um, the status, so forth and so on. So I started in my job working very hard, um, and very driven. I'm a perfectionist. Um, and through that process, I was given more and more responsibility, um, but it became very overwhelming very quickly. Uh, and what I learned was that um, as I was taking more and more on myself and trying to do more and wasn't, I, I wouldn't say no. If somebody came to me and said, could you do this? I'd say, sure, but I had my other, my other day job. For those who aren't in the investment banking business um, or financial industry, uh, kind of explain, you're kind of like, you're not really very high up on the ladder. No, no. Even though I had more responsibility, it was more responsibility with a specific system. So I was, I was the bottom of the barrel. It was kind of like, oh, he can keep this thing running. Give him this one too. Um, yeah. So it was, it was very much, you know, getting up in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, getting to work at 7.30 in the morning, staying there until 9, 10 o'clock at night, getting a car home. Um, you know, Sunday night I would kiss my wife, Michelle, good night, and I'd say, see you Friday night. And I would be home, but I would kind of get home, crawl into bed, put my pager up next to my bed, get woken up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, buzzing, um, get up, log in the computer, try to figure out what's going wrong, fix it, go to sleep, wake up, and do it all over again that day. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, was, uh, it was pretty tumultuous. And uh, it, it just, it, I didn't, it wasn't like all at once it happened. It just, it grew over time to the point that it felt like it was all going to just fall apart and break. And yeah, you, you told me, and this is one of the reasons I wanted him to come share this, you were a, a, you're a follower of Christ since early age, but you have in this whole story kind of a come-to-Jesus moment. Yeah, so, and, and I was, you know, we were going to church at the time and everything, at, but what I, 
at one point in time where I just felt like everything was going to, I was going to have an anxiety attack. I was sitting, it was in the middle of the day at work, and I wasn't praying, I wasn't thinking about God, but I just had this kind of bang on the top of my head, this epiphany in my head, and it was God talking to me, and he said, you know, not actual words, but kind of this, you're doing it yourself. You're, you're trying to do this all yourself, and um, you can't do it. You're not, you're going to, you're going to fall. So I, I literally, in that moment, I raised my hands, um, and I said, God, I can't do this myself. I'm giving this up to you. Uh, this isn't about me, and this isn't about my success. This is about what you want me to do. Um, and that was really the start of, um, in that, in that, in that, in that company, an eight-year journey of him working in me and, and helping me. You know, that wasn't it. It wasn't like the next day I, I went to work and everything was, oh, everything's perfect and hunky-dory. It, it was the pivotal point of, of, a, of those eight years where I would learn from it, veer away from it, you know, and, and still try to make, do it myself, and then he would overwhelm me, and I would realize that, you know, again, I got to give it up to God. It's about, it's about him. So that, mo- that one moment, when you got alone, and somewhere you'd be alone, and you hand- hand- held up your hand, God, I can't do it anymore. That was the beginning. It wasn't like the next day, boom. Took a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and giving it up to God was, you know, it's like, you know, people have asked me, what does it mean to give yeah. it up to God? And How do you do that? It, it's, yeah. not, it, it's not, I, mean, it's, I think it's probably different for everybody, but what I, what I learned throughout time, and it didn't, at that day, I couldn't have given you the explanation, but God has given us all talents, and the talents that he's given me can get me so far. And I can accomplish so much with those talents, but really the way it's meant to be is my talents that God has given me plus God equals his path. And what I was doing was I was missing half of the equation. I wasn't, I wasn't leaning on him. So when I brought him into the equation, decisions became clear. I was more content. It was that peace and strength within that storm, it was like the, I saw the chaos around me, but I was able to make intelligent decisions without being worried about the consequences. I was able to more live in the moment and less be worried about, you know, what are the 16 different, uh, you know, consequences that can come from this decision? No, I, I've made a decision, and this is the one I believe God wants, you know, to be made. The thing that you, um, what was enticing? I mean, what, what was the enticements of that lifestyle, so, so to speak, that, that was causing all the, the angst? Yeah, it, it wasn't so much the money. Um, you know, it did become it over time, you know, like probably the fifth or sixth years when I really started to realize the money yeah. aspect yeah. of it because I was so junior, I didn't really understand the, that financial aspect. Let me, let me interject this because you, I went, early on, the, you thought the money was going to be good. Yeah, when, when I left my job in Pennsylvania and I took the, the entry-level job, it was, a, it was a nice pay increase. But what I didn't realize when I moved to Melbourne, uh, the cost of living in this area, um, we, had to, we had two cars when we moved here. I had to sell one of them because we couldn't afford two cars. Um, it was, you know, just the, the, the you know, everything's relative yep, is, is yep. what I tell people. Um, but when you come here, it is just generally more expensive. So where I thought I was getting more money, I really wasn't. So right. we went from moving from Pennsylvania, making much less money, living comfortably to not living comfortably in the very beginning. And that, that on top of the pressure was just kind of added to the stresses and, and the overwhelming nature of it. I interrupted you talking about uh, enticements. Yeah. So the, the enticements in the beginning wasn't the money. It did become it, which right. is one right. of the reasons part of the eight-year journey. But in the beginning, it was just that 
while I'm seeing some people that really have um, power and influence and control and decision-making, uh, it was about recognition. It was about um, assuming more responsibility, uh, more influence over the decisions that are being made um, and the benefit being asked to come to more meetings and being asked to, you know, give an opinion and being the person people would come to and save the day and jump into problems and fight the fires. You know, that was, that made me feel good. It's like, oh yeah, it's, it's me. It's, it's me accomplishing, you know, things and getting that recognition. That was very seducing. It really, yeah. much more seducing than what, and, and I didn't know it was, it, it, it snowballed over time, you know. During that, during that time, before, I mean, you know, one of the things I, I love what you, you, you told me before, so if somebody had asked you what's most important, your job or your wife? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, at, the, at the end of the eight years at that job, even though I was going back and forth and even though I had, I was right, I would, you know, what I would call walking with him and then not walking with him, at the end of those eight years, if it got to a point that it was just oscillating back and forth so much mm-hmm. that if somebody were to ask me that question, that was really the, the decision point where um, my wife and I were talking and I realized when I kind of questioned myself with that, I wouldn't know if I would answer that the right way. Mm-hmm. And that was the point where I said, this is all wrong. Yeah. Like, this is not right. I cannot fight this battle anymore. It's not for me. And as a result, I quit my job. You know, at a time when I was still progressing through my career, I was still being promoted at that point in time through eight years. Um, so from the time you, you had that come to Jesus moment and said, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't be in control. How much longer before you quit your job? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah, because it was about a year in when that happened when I first started, and I was at this comp- the first company for eight years. And it was seven years of going, I felt like I felt like Israel in the Old Testament because I was reading the Bible. It wasn't like I wasn't a Christian through this time. It was just, it was my maturity and my ability to yeah. process and balance my career and being willing to make those tough calls and say no to things that I should say no. And I didn't know at the time that while I felt at peace and control at times, then what would happen is I'd get promoted and I would be stretched and I would go down the earthly way and I would try to do it myself and I would... You know, he'd hit me over the head. And, but those were kind of dry, long, dry spells. Right. Um, so it was seven years to the point where, you know, finally that question kind of came up. And I said, I, gotta, I, gotta I have to stop. I've got to remove myself from this. And that's what I did. So you leave the, uh, the investment uh, banker on, on Wall Street. And I go to join another financial institution in Philadelphia. Yeah. But that was much more nine to five-ish. You know, it was much more laid back. It wasn't near the stressful hours. Um, and it gave me a two-year respite where I could learn more about God and my relationship with him and my family and put things in better perspective and understand how this all could be in better balance. And, and interestingly, um, I left that job because I didn't feel like I was even ba- – I was I – was, now balanced on one side, but I wasn't balanced on the other. I wasn't challenged enough in mm-hmm. my job. Mm-hmm. I got an opportunity to go back into the, 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 the more frantic domain of the financial world, and I took it. We moved to Connecticut. And from that point, because of those two years, I was able, not perfectly, you know, it was still a challenge, but I was able to balance things more at that point forward. Go to London from there? Yeah, London, um, Connecticut to London, um, working in a, in a job where, again, I was you know, consistently being promoted and, and doing better and better. Um, and every change at that point, I'm, I, pretty, con- 
pretty happy to say that, you know, was talking to my wife, Michelle, praying about it, mm-hmm. making sure that it was the right choices for us and where he wanted us to be, that it was me and my skills plus God in his journey. Um, there was at one point at the end of that, that job, that career, um, where I was being asked to be promoted and I wasn't comfortable with it. I said, no, they, 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 I realized that it really wasn't a question. It was, <laughs> it was them putting me in that job anyway. How did they say that? We, uh, how did you say that they came to you and said, they have an option for you or something? Yeah, they said, you know, we, we'd, like to, we'd like to give you this, um, this position. And I said, you know, I'm not that comfortable. I'm happy where I am. And they said, well, thanks for considering it, but we're going to put you there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the last year in that, in that um, company. Um, uh, seven to eight months into that position, they came to me and offered me yet another promotion. And that one I was really uncomfortable with. I, I knew, because I was already traveling 100 plus days a year, wasn't seeing my, my family much. They were... You know, I would get a phone call at night, and they'd say, we booked a ticket, you're coming, you know, to Switzerland tomorrow or to to United States the next day. And I'd be like, okay. And that was it. You know, there was no debating it. Right. And that was starting to get back into the, I'm not in control of things anymore. You know, God's not driving this. It was it was um, more the, the company driving things. And then they came to me with the next level, and I said, no, that's really not something that I want to get into and something that I was uncomfortable with. Yeah, they, they, at that point, um, I think I got it now. They, they offered you, you're going to be, they were grooming you to be the CIO? Yeah. I got that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's when you said, I oh, know. No. no, yeah, no, and, and you know, this is, it's, it's God's plan. You know, a month after they started talking to me about that, I got a phone call from the company I'm at now, and they they learned about me through, through word of mouth and they offered me a job and I went and interviewed with them. And, um, you know, after talking through um, with Michelle and uh, with God, because we also we thought it was time to move back to New York City area, um, I took that job and I went into my current employer and I, I resigned and, and everybody to a T was like, you are crazy. crazy. Like, crazy, what man. are you doing? I mean, you, yeah. you have this laid out for you and, you know, every decision like that, it was kind of going against popular culture. I've got to, I've got to say this. Um, each time, you didn't know if you were leave, when you left that you were going to get, you ended up getting something better. But you didn't know that. Yeah, and it didn't look better always. You know, it was, it was for the reasons that I thought were to be focused on God and to be focused on making sure that I'm living the life that he wants me to live. Yeah. And, you know, and... And, and it's a little uncomfortable saying this, but in pretty much every situation, he has blessed us in that. But I was willing in every one of those moves to deal with you know, a blessing you, in the way that, that, that Joseph had. You, you, know? you not only were willing, you, you thought when it wasn't like you had another carrot dangling in front of you. You said, I can't do this one because it's taken me away from my relationship with God, my relationship with my family. And you end up with something unbeknownst to you when you took it better. Yeah. I mean, my, current, kind of weird, my yeah. current job was smaller responsibility, smaller scope, smaller company. Um, and right now I couldn't be happier with what I'm doing and, and how, it's, how it's going. And right. um, it's something which, you know, I've learned that if I just listen to his voice and let him be the guiding factor into my decisions, even if it looks completely crazy to the people around me, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's better to go down this road. And the longer this goes, I mean, now this is... This is going back, you know, seven, 16 years now. The, the first eight years was the first company. Now I'm, you know, 16 years into it. It's still a challenge, but it's, 
it's easier to, to, to make those decisions. So one, so, so you're not done. You, you, you've committed it to God. Now you don't have to, you don't, it never is an issue anymore. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'll never, you know, there's, it's never done. I, it's never done. You no, know, it's never done, I, I guess, until we, we die and then we're in front of God and Jesus. But right. it's not, this is, it's a constant struggle. I still fall off the ladder, per se. And, you know, I, I use, you know, Renaissance has been a blessing in that of being able to stay and, you know, be reminded and having him speak to me in that right. way. Right. Thanks for uh, sharing. My pleasure. All right. Appreciate that. Um, you know, let me, let me just say a couple of things about this. Um, we've seen two total opposite examples. Joseph prospered. He stays in prison. Mark prospered. Unbeknownst to him, he ends up with a better job. There's no, there's no formula here. I'm not saying trust God, trust Jesus, and it's all going to get better. I, it, we just don't know. You still don't know that in your own situation. So I want to make sure you understand both of that. I want to make sure you understand that it is God who brings strength and peace to the one whose heart is committed to him. And the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That may not mean a change in circumstances. That may not mean more money. It does mean a relationship with Almighty God and the things that really matter. Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have. Thank you for Mark and Michelle and their family his openness and willingness to, to share that. And uh, we thank you so much, Lord, for how you blessed all of us in so many ways. And help us to look at that and help us to, to, to just really settle on that, thanking you for your love and your grace and your, um, and your desire just to give us peace and strengthen those of us who just concentrate on focusing on who you are and what you can do in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. I got to tell you, Michelle was here in the last service. I said, if you want to hear the real story, go talk to Michelle. She's not here, but a, a little 10-year-old girl, did you hear about this? 10-year-old girl's walking down the steps after the last service, and she says to her mom, 10-year-old girl says, I want to go talk to Michelle. I want to hear the real story. <laughs> Mark's going to hang around up here. God bless. Thanks for being here. Have a great weekend.